Hey y'all, Eve's here. We're doubling up today with two events in history. On with the show. Welcome to This Day in History class, where history waits for no one. The day was March 17, 1912. Bayard Taylor Rustin was born on this day in Westchester, Pennsylvania, to a mother named Florence and a father named Archie Hopkins. As a young student, Bayard performed extremely well in school and sports. And in high school and college, he became more socially and politically active. Throughout the rest of his life, Bayard would advocate for peace and civil rights. He co-founded the Congress of Racial Equality, advocated for Black workers' rights, helped organize the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, and was the first executive director of the AFL-CIO's A. Philip Randolph Institute. His contributions to pacifism, civil rights activism, the labor movement, and other social movements are invaluable, but his career did have both ups and downs. It was clear from Bayard's early years that activism would be a big part of his life. His grandmother, Julia Rustin, was active in the community, and his roots as a Quaker and in the African Methodist Episcopal Church greatly influenced his views on nonviolence, equality, and community. Institutions in Westchester were segregated, as was standard at this time, and there are several instances that show Byard's penchant for a protest. On one school road trip, he insisted that Black players be housed in the same hotel as white players, and he was arrested for sitting in the whites-only section of a movie theater. Rustin attended some college and was active in the Youth Communist League for a while, advocating for equal rights and economic opportunity. But he left the organization once its missions no longer aligned with his. But after college is when his activism really started to gain momentum. In 1941, he joined the Fellowship of Reconciliation, a pacifist organization led by A.J. Musty. On an interstate trip on a segregated bus in 1942, Bayard sat in the white section and refused to move, an action that police officers beat him for. He was firmly against World War II and conscription, and he was imprisoned for being a conscientious objector and refusing to register for the draft in 1944. He spent 28 months in prison, during which time he protested for integration within the prison and faced a sexual misconduct investigation. Bayard was openly gay, which affected the way some people viewed him and led to some social and legal persecution. After A.J. Musty chided him for letting his sexuality get in the way of his social advocacy, Bayard ended up resigning from his post as the field secretary of the Fellowship of Reconciliation. Later, in 1953, he and two other men were arrested on charges of lewd vagrancy and sent to prison. Because of the charge, Rustin became a convicted sex offender. As this news spread throughout his community of friends and fellow activists, people began to distance themselves from him, and it became harder for him to work on the front lines of social movements. Still, Bayard was politically and socially active throughout his lifetime. 
He spent months in India studying Gandhi's movement of nonviolent resistance and speaking to civil rights leaders. And he connected with activists in countries in Africa resisting British colonialism. In 1947, he protested bus segregation by taking part in the journey of reconciliation. He worked with the labor and civil rights movement leader A. Philip Randolph on the Committee Against Discrimination in the Armed Forces. He continued his anti-war and pacifist activism, and Bayard famously did a lot of organizing work for the civil rights movement. He worked in Montgomery on the bus boycotts, organizing acts of nonviolent resistance and working out some of the finer points of planning a protest. He helped Martin Luther King Jr. organize the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Bayard even helped plan the March on Washington, landing a cover of Life magazine with A. Philip Randolph soon after. In 1965, he and A. Philip Randolph formed the A. Philip Randolph Institute, which fought for racial justice, jobs, and freedom. But as some civil rights activists began to criticize his moderate stances and cooperation with politicians, Bayard turned to more international issues, like refugee advocacy. In the later years of his life, Rustin participated in the gay rights movement. He died in 1987 of a misdiagnosed perforated appendix. Bayard was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2013. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you want to know more about Bayard Rustin's life, you can listen to the two-part episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class, the first one called Bayard Rustin, Angelic Troublemaker, and the second one called Bayard Rustin and the Civil Rights Movement. We'd love it if you left us a comment on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at T-D-I-H-C Podcast. Come back tomorrow for another tidbit from history. Hello, everybody. I'm Eves, and you're tuned into This Day in History Class, a show where we travel back in time one day at a time. The day was March 17, 1968. The chief of the ecology and epidemiology branch of Dugway Proving Ground got a call saying thousands of sheep were found dead in the Skull Valley area of Utah. The incident is connected to chemical and biological weapons testing at Dugway Proving Ground, a U.S. Army facility in Utah. The 1925 Geneva Protocol prohibited the use of chemical and biological weapons in war. Though it went into force in 1928, it did not define restrictions regarding the production and storage of such weapons. Dugway Proving Ground was established in 1942, during World War II, as the U.S. thought that the German and Japanese militaries may be developing these weapons. Because the site was so remote, conventional weapons testing and ranger desert training took place there as well. Some of the weapons tested included artillery shells, aerial bombs, and aerial spray tanks made to disperse chemical and biological agents. On March 13, 1968, a jet sprayed 320 gallons of VX nerve agent across Dugway in a weapons test. VX is a tasteless, odorless nerve agent that was developed in the United Kingdom in the early 1950s. 
it is extremely toxic. Its symptoms include blurred vision, headache, cough, and vomiting. Exposure to large doses can cause convulsions, paralysis, and even respiratory failure leading to death. In the following days, ranchers began noticing that their sheep were dazed, collapsing, and dying. They began calling veterinarians for help, but the vets could not diagnose the illness. People began to suspect that the nearby Dugway Proving Ground was responsible for the deaths of the sheep. On March 17th, Dr. Keith Smart of the Ecology and Epidemiology branch of Dugway got a call saying that rancher Alvin Hatch reported 3,000 sheep dead in the Skull Valley area. Some of the sheep died within 24 hours, while others lived for weeks before dying. In the end, around 6,000 sheep died due to the VX nerve agent. Though spokespeople for the Dugway facility denied any weapons testing in the days before the sheep died, U.S. Senator Frank Moss released a document that said Dugway had released VX nerve agent on March 13th. Other tests involving chemical warfare agents took place that day, but only the aerial spray test of VX nerve agent was associated with the death of the sheep. In subsequent investigations, it was found that the jets releasing the VX had a malfunction in their delivery tanks and released the nerve agent at a higher altitude than intended. This made the VX spread farther than the Dugway testing grounds and affect sheep in Skull Valley. The Army never released a full report on the incident, but it did pay around $376,000 for the sheep at the end of the investigation. Officials and people in the region weren't too concerned with the investigation because the military was a big employer in the state. But the incident did raise concerns about the development of chemical and biological weapons. In November of 1969, Congress did pass a law forbidding the open-air testing of any lethal chemical or biological warfare agent within the United States, with exceptions. And the 1972 Biological Weapons Convention banned the development, production, and stockpiling of biological and toxin weapons. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so at T-D-I-H-C podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Or if you want to get a little more fancy, you can send us an email at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for listening and have a fantastic 24 hours until we see you again. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.